Broadcasting live from a multiverse movie prominently featuring a bagel. Not that one. This is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Garrett Strother. And I'm one of your other hosts, Seamus Connolly. Before we cover Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse for this week's show, let's go ahead and jump right in to some news. Starting off with the tragic passing of legend Tina Turner just a couple days ago as of the day of recording. That, I mean, she was 89 I believe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just I I straight up listen to Tina Turner every single day. I mean, it's it's on the radio and it's the same radio station, but I do listen. I, I was actually when I heard the news, they were playing What's Love Got to Do With It? And I was absolutely heartbroken when that when that text headline came through. Wow, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I I don't know if they they were breaking that news on the radio station or something with that and and they had said something beforehand, but it was it was a weird weird serendipitous moment for me in in that moment. I mean, she it's hard to overstate what an absolute superstar she is. Inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. Kennedy Center Honors recipient. I mean, how many presidents did she meet? I mean, the true queen of rock and roll more hits than you could shake a stick at yeah seriously absolute absolutely legendary and absolutely makes thunderdome right tina turner in thunder that's like on the cover on the cover of that it's not it doesn't say like mel gibson is mad max beyond thunderdome it says tina turner in beyond thunderdome (laughs) and that is that is to this day my favorite detail about that entire choice also great in John McTiernan's Last Action Hero. Oh, absolutely. I think she's an underrated actor because she didn't do a lot, but when she showed up, she knocked it out of the park. A star. Absolute star power to the maximum, and she, and she will be missed. Also, sadly, on our list of RIPs today is actor Ray Stevenson, who many of you probably do not know the name of, but has been a kind of that guy in dozens of movies and TV shows. We know him probably most intimately Seamus as Gar Saxon in Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars The Clone Wars but he's also another upcoming Star Wars character on the Ahsoka series he also was prominently featured in a recent hit RRR as the primary antagonist and did a really good, really scary job in that. A lot of swashbuckling in this man's career. Lots of Thor, literally the Three Musketeers movie from from 2011. Oh, the Logan Lerman one? I th- yeah, I think so. I didn't know you that. Know, pirate <laughs> movies, medieval movies. Just a solid journeyman actor who, you know, he was only 58 years old, really cut down young. And it's Mm. sad to see that happen, especially when, you know, he seems to be one of the primary antagonists of an upcoming, very exciting Disney Plus series that it's too bad he won't get to see the reception to. Yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing that kind of last role for him in in something that I'm already very excited to see uh, what they're going to do with it. But this is going to add a little extra bittersweetness to to that entire season there. Speaking of the Empire, Seamus. (laughs) Oh, God, good transition. We've got some Disney Dane. Danger. Oh, Disney Danger. Blah, blah, blah. I forget what the sound is for Disney Danger. Blah, blah, blah. Just last week we did this exact same thing. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Empire. Song. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> when your woom is going to be out of tune with the, with the other woom. It's going to harmonize, Garrett, don't you? I'm editing this one. It'll harmonize, damn you. 
So, a kind of brief addendum to a piece of news that we were covering last week for our Disney Danger, as Disney Plus is removing their original series and films in the next few days, they have already removed, with no warning, overnight, the series Prop Culture, which I don't know if you watched any of, Seamus, but was either a launch title on Disney Plus or, like, a pretty quickly after-launch title on Disney Plus, where they went into the archives and talked about Mm. how important it is to preserve pieces of film history and went piece but like through film by film mary poppins muppet movie who framed roger rabbit tron and we're like wow look at all these props and pieces of film history that should be preserved in a documentary uh so people can learn about them i mean that is the best concept for a show ever i never actually delved too far into it i saw a lot of clips and i i really like the idea of it but how appropriate is it that this this documentary series about preserving history specifically Disney history is being struck with the rest of the things that Disney wants to bury once again it is very sad and uh, you know more than borderline insulting that they just tried to kind of slip that one under the radar after they already made the biggest announcements about it but the the irony it seems is they are aware of it and they're trying to skirt it a little bit probably I completely agree and that went and backfired on them surprise surprise yeah I wonder why I also can't even imagine that royalties like you know that's not a scripted series that's i mean i guess it's technically a scripted series Mm -hmm. but you know you don't have dozens of actors that you're paying out royalties to not that that should justify taking things off streaming anyway but i'm like the pennies a year that that is going to save disney it's just unconscionable it's insulting like you said but we're not out of the streaming woods yet because we've got a netflix nuisance netflix oh god oh oh my goodness another one i totally Ah! remember this thing for oh god <laughs> i might have made that one i don't i don't even remember you did you didn't <laughs> oh make that one it's just the clown horns it, i hope it's the clown horns <laughs> Netflix, in an update on their perpetual ill-advised war on profile and account sharing, have announced that they're going to charge you $8 a month for an additional profile to live on a different IP address. So, sorry college kids who use your parents' Netflix, or you and me, Seamus, who use our parents' Netflix. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Oh my god, I have not, interestingly enough, kind of how I predicted, I have not even had the need to really go on Netflix in a while, and so I haven't checked if I've been officially kicked yet, but I can only imagine that that I am am in the the wind now, unless I, unless I, I guess, buy my own Netflix account, which I'm not gonna do, dude, I'm straight up just not gonna do it. I will probably get a free trial to watch the new season of I Think You Should Leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah dude. and then not think about netflix again until the new season of stranger things comes out and then i create a dummy email and then i do my free trial and then i think this is yeah. the the truest true fall of netflix now i think there are gonna there i think the majority of people are gonna have the exact same reaction of not realizing and then when they finally do they're like i'm not gonna do that what and then they they forget about it forever because netflix don't have anything man they really they have nothing for me it's they're about to get a reality 
reality check real quick, I think. Oh, about. yeah. Oh, yeah. Stop. Numbers are going to plummet, and that is going to finally, I mean, I was going to say maybe make them shape up, but it really isn't. I think they'll probably make up enough money for people that are like, all right, I guess it's, I guess that's just the norm is just having a Netflix account, so I guess I'll just hit the random upgrade button and forget about it. But Seamus, we need to review Kissing Booth 12 for the podcast. I don't even know what that is, Garrett. <laughs> Kissing Booth 12? I don't, this is, it's a series of teen romantic comedies. I don't know how many there really are, but. Oh my gosh, that is, that that, that will be the new market. It's just, just Netflix original teen romantic comedies that they already have a ton of, I feel like, anyway. I think that that'll save them. Fingers crossed. But onto some news I am actually so excited about, Garrett. I have been waiting for this day for so many years. Dare I say my entire life, Garrett. I think you dare. I think I may dare. Metal Gear Solid Delta Snake Eater Metal Gear Solid 3 remake announcement with a trailer with intentions to finally get this franchise back on its feet again after the last couple have not really hit the bullseye that much but it has been what fans have been asking for for decades as as long as Metal Gear Solid 3 has been out basically people have been wanting to play it in the most updated format possible and it is finally happening without Hideo Kojima famously of course which is one of the weirder parts of this there's been not a single mention of him or his name or his you know his original story yet but I'm sure that will get plenty of controversy as things unfold a little bit more well we'll probably have to cover that at some point as a pop culture reference I think when we get a little bit closer to this release date but Seamus I'm very happy for you I know it's a long time coming and I'm happy for me that Metal Gear Solid 1 through 3 are coming to PlayStation 5 this fall with Volume 2 to come at a later date because Mm. I hate to say it, but I got my Metal Gear Solid collection almost immediately for my PS3 right before I got my PS5. So I played one level, went to the PS5, never really looked back. (laughs) That's okay, that's okay. I gotta say, it's hard. I think we've talked about this a little bit. It's hard to go back to the PS3 with that controller now that I'm used to like a good controller. That has been my biggest thing, because I own, like, three different versions of, like, an HD collection of those games, and the most advanced thing I can play it on is a PS Vita, and that still feels better to me than a PS3 controller at this point, so I'm honestly kind of more excited about this Master's collection and the however many volumes they decide to pull out of the woodworks, because I will buy every single one, and they will be so, so good on a big, high-definition screen with a big heavy controller oh i cannot wait six pixels at a time oh yeah that 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 is gonna be the weirdest is going back to metal gear solid one but i will force you there are there are less and less excuses garrett for you to to you to get into the kingdom hearts level of insane lore that you have to understand for these games i'm excited you know i am a john carpenter boy and so is hideo so yes i honest to god snake eater is the best james bond video game ever created hands down you you will you will really fall in love with that well that excites me a lot but do you think it's time Seamus to move on to our main segment oh yes let's enter the spider-verse Garrett 
For today's main segment, we're going to be covering the 2018 animated sensation, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Seamus, you and I knew each other when this movie came out, but I don't think we've ever really talked about what our initial experience with it was. Gosh, yeah, it feels like it came out so long ago at this point, but that might be because my initial experiences with this movie were the, the summer it came out. It came out in the summer, right? Yep. The summer it came out. I, I saw it in the summer at least. I I, it, it must have been because I was working at my local movie theater as I did in the summers and I basically spent every single second that I could in that theater watching that movie it, like any different part that I could see I was like damn why is the, my eyes are just pleased watching this movie it's just unlike anything I've ever seen I, I would hear the soundtrack from the hallway where I would stand as an usher for hours on ends and I would be like my god maybe I'll go check out this maybe I'll go see if anybody's on their phone or whatever in the theater and I would just I would pop in for 10 or 15 minutes and just just drink it all up and obviously I saw it you know clean the first time hadn't you know seen anything much about it no spoilers but through that job I watched it in the theater like three or four times before it was out it fully and then just every day pretty much just catching pieces of it so I I really like this movie Garrett I, I I think that's a long way to say that but I really really like this movie I I do too, Seamus. It is... I think at the time that I saw it, I thought it was the most impressive animated film I'd ever seen, and I don't think that now, but it's definitely up there. Oh yeah, I I, I think so too. One of the most visually impressive animated things I have ever seen to this day, and it makes me so excited for what you know, the future of this franchise, the future of, like, what Sony Animation specifically can do with with really interesting, unique IPs like Miles Morales and, and the Spider-Verse. It just, it, it's so much more pleasing to me than, like, the super smooth bubble illumination style clean clean animation that most movies are when they're animated and for like more of a family audience mm -hmm. i think the other thing about this though and the thing that made it resonate with audiences like my my parents like the animated spider-man multiverse movie <laughs> which is kind of crazy yeah is that it's a really really solid story it's funny it's engaging and frankly i think that and th this is a big thing because I think there are a lot of superhero movies that do this element well, but more do it not well than do it well, especially in the contemporary landscape. It's probably the most invested I am in a protagonist before they become their superhero counterpart of really any superhero origin movie I can think of. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I definitely can agree with that. He, he Miles Morales as just like a kid trying to, you know, talk to his uncle about girls and like survive in his, you know, very different kind of school and I don't know, by the time he actually does run into, like, Spider-Man and, like, doing all the Spider-Man things, I'm already, like, I had fallen in love with this character and what he was as... Because, like you were saying, in most other origin movies, and especially, I feel like, Spider-Man movies, you don't really get to know Peter Parker that much before you get into the whole Spider-Man of it all. So, this was definitely very refreshing when it came out and still refreshing when you rewatch it now. Rewatching it for this show, the movie I kept thinking about the most, and I bring it up constantly on the podcast, is Superman the movie. And I think that this shares a kind of wonder and impact that Superman the movie also takes pleasure in 
for a superhero film that a lot of superhero mm-hmm. films, like you said, have have kind of put to the wayside. Even something like Raimi's Spider-Man, which is the most we get to know Peter Parker before he becomes Spider-Man of any Peter Parker Spider-Man movie, is still, it's working pretty quick to get to the Spider-Man of it all. Yes, and, and specifically with the Raimi's, uh, it's... A lot of that struggle moments, those that that transition period in the movie between like no powers and becoming Spider-Man, like perfecting mm-hmm. powers, it's it's played for way more for laughs in in Raimi, and Absolutely. I mean it's it is funny, like the the wrestling stuff, the you know him trying to figure out his web shooting stuff, like it is it is funny, but in something like Spider Verse here, where that is the plot of the movie, is him like struggling with himself, it it feels so much more heavy in those character moments but Mm -hmm. not heavy in like a suffocating way it's like you want him to struggle so you can see the journey instead of getting straight into it which is i mean pretty much everything in the mcu with like tom holland and all that was pretty much just like directly into the most advanced spider-man stuff that we we could ever have and and we're kind of working backwards from that with spider-verse i think they also front load a lot of miles's characterization because for reasons that we'll get into as spoilers the movie has to its attention a great deal after a certain point when Miles is Spider-Man. Whereas in something like the Raimi movies, I feel like we're getting to know Peter Parker more intimately than we do before he becomes Spider-Man throughout, you know, all of the Spider-Man 1 and all of Spider-Man 2, to a lesser mm. extent in 3 because they're coasting a little bit on, you get it, you know who this guy yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Miles, you get him to know a lot up top, and then he's still growing throughout the film, but it becomes a lot less focused on his personality after a certain point which works very well for the story i don't think that's a complaint of mine i mean even thematically that with the other cast of characters in this movie and with the overall message it does kind of start to bleed out in in that same kind of satisfying way that doesn't feel like they're quite abandoning it the the idea of fleshing out that character personally but integrating it in with like the larger wearing the mask kind of idea of what the messaging is by the end of this movie totally i think that's very well put seamus thank you and shameek moore is an outstanding miles morales i think he brings this great middle school squeaky voiced teenage element to miles very vulnerable element to Mm. miles while still projecting an inner strength that he has throughout the whole film and obviously you know he grows into a little bit more by the end of his journey and i think that this and i don't know how they recorded this movie i don't think they did it all in the booth together but i could be wrong because i think that he has really really good chemistry with jake johnson's peter parker and Haley Steinfeld's Gwen Stacy, and especially uh, his father, played by Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah. Oh man, I his moments with his parents specifically in in the voice work that they're doing together, it is incredible. And I know in the last few iterations of Spider-Man, we we have also been just we know who Spider-Man is, and there's his his aunt is there, and and that's what we're gonna work with. But it's such a different kind of 
familial relationship that we're not used to with a you know the civilian human side of a Spider-Man, and it it makes this movie so much more special and 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 warm feeling when you do get to the the parts where they are reconciling in their own personal storylines with each other, you know, post action doing doing re- removed from the more supervillainy things. I I totally. just loved all of that, and I, it makes me very scared for what's gonna happen in this new one because i you know tragedy follows a spider-man and we know this Mm -hmm. for a fact yeah i'm i am scared because they also have a great cast of characters that they could just pick off one by one because this is a pretty big cast Mm -hmm. for the kind of movie that it is and you know obviously not everybody's making it out of this one anyway you know we won't get into who and spoil until spoilers but sure sure there are a lot of folks that it would be very sad to to have to say goodbye to i think in in a new one sad but i'm it's sad but exciting it's it's so it's so its own thing i i it's it's a such a joy to not have to worry about any other kind of superhero things in something like this like oh what are gonna be the repercussions for the other hundred movies or whatever if this character dies so you kind of know that they're safe until you know there's something bigger but this is much like the the first one we're talking about today this upcoming one is like it's uncharted territory in its own right even if it is a sequel to something else that was so unexpected when it came out and that is a strength absolutely of this franchise that most superhero movies don't get to have is they are autonomous they don't have to worry about the impact of building a larger cinematic universe they're straightforward stories because we didn't go and get a bunch of different there's not like the chris pine peter parker spider-man movie and there's not you know the yeah exactly spider gwen spin-off show which i mean i won't maybe i hey listen i know i know what kind of companies we're dealing with here and they like money garrett you like money i mean i guess yeah like i it's it's maybe inevitable but as it stands right now it feels so pure and nice and even more specifically, we don't have this style of animation of Iron Man coming in a couple of years, or we don't have this same team working on a an Avengers-specific thing. It, it It's in a safe zone as it stands, and I, I very much like that. By the way, I just looked it up. This movie came out in December, so we were both no sh- totally wrong. What? Go, you go to hell. You get out. Of, you get out. You get right out of here in this apartment that we're both in. Well, Seamus... I do, I do want to talk about the cast a little bit more, just saying that, because I already mentioned, you know, Shemik Moore and Jake Johnson and Chris Pine and Haley Steinfeld and Brian Tyree Henry, mm. all great. But also, I mean, Mahershala Ali, Academy Award winner, Mahershala Ali, Lily Tomlin, Zoe Kravitz, John Mulaney, mm. Nicolas Cage, Catherine <laughs> Hahn, the always underrated Lee Schreiber. It's kind of insane it's what a cast this movie has. Yeah, it, and they're all do such a good job that like I definitely on my initial watch of this like way back in the day I definitely didn't like realize that was Leif Schreiber as as Kingpin in here until like the credits rolled pretty much Catherine how Hong, can you he does he's so good at doing he, different voices it's, it is true he really sinks into that one and that's why I love that character to death I think this is a really good example of having a bunch of celebrities in your movie, but not because they're celebrities, because they're genuinely good choices for the roles that they're in and that their voice acting is competent and not just like, hey guys, look, Nick Kroll is <laughs> <Yeah>. sing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Honest, honestly, I 
probably finally learned Jake Johnson's name because of this. I was always like, it's that guy from New Girl, but I think I actually straight up finally learned his name because of Spider-Verse. I always called him that guy from Safety Not Guaranteed. Which wow, is dude! Pick, I like but... that movie though. I watched that movie ages ago alone on like early Netflix, and I was like, "This is weird." I'm into it. I, I, I big time into it. Yeah, it's like you know, you're in high school. It's an accessible indie movie with yeah, people dude. you kind of know. You know. Yeah, you watch Safety Not Guaranteed and uh, Frank, that movie yep. with Donald Gleason and uh, Michael Fassbender, a movie I still love, by the way. Which is a few years after Safety Not. Guaranteed, I think, but it's definitely the same. Like it was in that same realm appeal. of like they were they were both in the same categories on Netflix for like a thousand years. They were like right next to each other. But I think the fact that we're digressing <laughs> into this, <laughs> Frank, probably yeah. we should go ahead and call spoilers because there is a lot to talk about in this movie. So I'm gonna say official spoiler warning for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh my goodness, where to begin? My my favorite, maybe my actual favorite character, like Marvel character character that I never knew about until this movie, uh, Miles's Uncle Aaron. Oh, really? So, Incredible. So you didn't really know a lot about Miles Morales then before this movie, I take No, it. not really at all, actually. I, I was going in pretty cold. I, I'd known, like, vaguely the idea, but I, I didn't know what prowler was i had no idea what that villain was i i didn't know really anything about the personal life of miles morales just kind of the i how that idea came to be and like kind of where it stood so i i loved i loved all that and the prowler music which i was talking to you before the prowler theme is maybe the best piece of villain music ever written. It's a really strong, really menacing leitmotif running through the movie. And the fact that this movie gets really scary for, not even for an animated movie, but I think for a superhero movie at all, that really heightens the impact of when Prowler comes onto the scene. There's a straight up jump scare in that in that scene where he is sneaking back into his uncle's apartment and yeah. he, he doesn't know about the prowler and and him yet. So I I don't know. That was that was genuinely heartbreaking though. I mean if we're we're jumping right into it, damn you Kingpin and making Spider Man who he is by killing his uncle. <laughs> uh, ain't that just the way? It really is though. They have a little powwow. All the spider people have a powwow about their dead Uncle Ben and and all that, you know, Uncle Benjamin and Gwen's was just other Spider-Man, right? Like Spider-Man. Well, it wasn't. It was Peter Parker. It was right, not well, right. Spider-Man. Right, right. Was, yes, because he was not Spider Person in that universe, of course. Which I think that does get a little easy to forget because, of course, Chris Pine Spider-Man also exists in Miles's universe. Well, not for long. <laughs> I mean, how devastating was that, really, though? Watching giant 12-foot shoulder span Kingpin bash Spider-Man's head in? He, like, beats him to death. It's yeah. crazy. It's pretty bleak, and I think it's a testament to just the star power of Chris Pine, one, but how well that character's written and animated that the second he shows up on screen, you are really into it. Mm -hmm. You enjoy him. He is a fun, exciting character to be around, which makes it all the more devastating when they take him out. Because it's not just like, oh, I like him because he's Spider-Man. I like him because he's a version of Spider-Man that I enjoy watching. A version of Spider-Man who instantly is like... 
like mentor instincts kick in and he's like hey kid who's who we know is super unsure throughout the first 20 minutes of this movie like i'm gonna be your man like I, you're my boy now and then absolutely cut short we see his like funeral his mj is like giving a eulogy at his funeral it's so so dark I think it's crazy that they got Zoe Kravitz to be, I mean, I guess she wasn't as big of a star back in 2018, but to be MJ for what essentially amounts to like two scenes, maybe. Yeah, there's like the scene, the scene when she's giving the eulogy and like then they bump into each other at the Spider-Man benefit dinner Mm -hmm. or whatever. And that that's pretty much it, I think, dialogue wise, right? Yeah, I think so. And I have no idea if she's going to be in the new one or if, you know, hmm. because she is Chris Pine's MJ, who looks yeah. an awful lot like Jake Johnson's MJ, but presumably Jake Johnson's MJ is the one that would be in the new Spider-Verse. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see how they continue on that relationship. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in the MJ stuff. I'm unsure of how many different spider verses we are going to be jumping around into but Mm -hmm. i can't wait to go to spider pigs universe and see nick kroll green goose or something what are we totally right like for sure right there's gonna be like a looney tunes showdown where he's gonna be like it's gonna be dr Oc. it's gonna be doc Oc, but it's just like a real octopus maybe i'm trying to think of animal things here have you watched the spider ham bonus feature on the blu-ray i don't think i have no i have been waiting to watch it for years and then i finally watched it as a little you know preamble a pre-show short (laughs) before i sat down for spider-verse for this one and it's just a funny little looney tunes animated short it's not super funny but it is (laughs) enjoyable you know it's 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 a good execution of that premise and i would love to see that you know with the budget of what the big movie oh, would be able to put into it that would be very fun i i'm i'm very much into that i'm also pretty much expecting all of the no way home folks to show up in the after like at some point right i'm I mean, assuming i hope it's just an after credit scene because i think it would be really distracting to that, do that yeah definitely i mean that's movie. that's kind of what i'm assuming that they'll do that's probably all the agency that they have with that idea because then it just straight up turns into no way home at that point and then that's that's yeah. a di- that's a different movie you know i still like that movie but that's a very different movie not to mention how would you even incorporate like because obvi- it'll be fun to see tom holland spider-man in the spider-verse but like then you have to deal with the whole like the fallout of how you know how I mean, that impacts the mcu <laughs> I, I assume it would be more like Maybe even, like, just Toby and Andrew, and they're like, oh, we just got out of that last one, we got sucked into this one, and then they get sucked back into their own, like, See, really rapidly. That's what would be funny, is if, like, I like, because the best part of No Way Home is the two of them is just, like, beaten down old man Spider-Man, <laughs> like, yeah, be we've like... been doing this a long time, but you're the only other guy who I've ever met who gets it, you know? Yeah, all and their backs hurt together. Ex- so I do like the idea of... They have become like buddies. They're on a buddy cop movie adventure where they're like <laughs> they're oh, doing Bill and Ted. Yeah, they're doing Bill and Ted together, but they're both Spider Man. That's pretty good, actually. But we should talk about this movie. In the, <laughs> no <way>. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. That is true. Back because... to back to the good, great, amazing, like. Honest to God, some of the best action sequences in an animated movie. Like, they're obviously playing up so much of the comic book 
cartoon angle of how the action can be, but my god, is it fluid and amazing and all that I want in, in any of my superhero movies. This and The Incredibles, not just because they're superhero movies, but I genuinely believe that they are not only the best animated action films, but some of the best action films pretty much of all time in terms of the clarity of their geography and the execution of the incredibly well-thought-out set pieces that they develop over the course of the films. I, I gotta say, I do not think this is... As good a movie as The Incredibles, but that, what is, you know? The Incredibles is pretty pretty S-tier stuff. I don't blame you for, for being a little skeptical on that. But just think about how well you have to execute something like the crazy shattered multiverse climax battle with the trains and stuff mm-hmm. flying around and still, like, know exactly what's going on. You're in this weird giant domed space that's also, like, flipping in and out of different universes and you still have an eye on multiple spider people who kind of look the same from a distance, and they're all getting the spotlight when when need be. They're doing all their special moves in ways that don't get just, like, lost in the crazy flashing light, changing color beam of, like, splitting realities open. It's, it's incredibly well executed. I think it's a really smart decision to not have more than one Peter Parker at a time in this movie, because... In, in terms of, like, like, Peter B. Parker versus, like, Penny Parker, like, they, they've, they're more distinct than just, yes. like, the different version of Peter Parker. Because it also helps... For clarity, that's another thing that No Way Home had a problem with. I mean, not that the action in No Way Home is anywhere near as thought out. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. But that has a problem where when you're in a wide shot, I'm like, is that Toby? I'm not (laughs) sure who that is. He's in red and blue spandex. I really can't tell. You know, it it really gets a little muddy there, but... But yeah, every spider person in this movie has a very distinct look that is easy to clock, and I think that's a very intentional, very smart choice on their part. I am sad that we're probably not getting Spider-Noir back. That's what I read. Are you kidding? What? No! I was gonna say, that is the perfect, like, they're on the run from the the Council of Spiders, and they're like... We gotta lay low, and someone's like, I know a guy in a dark alley, and they go to black and white spider noir verse. Oh, that's what this I've been dreaming with the Rubik's for. Cube is so funny. That's that is incredible too, his his fascination with color, but specifically like that piece. I mean, it all comes through in that incredible end credits animation too, where he's like the king of black and white land, because he brought in the color cube and is like mm-hmm. selling it. He's like a tycoon. <laughs> I love it. Oh, He's so good. Is he your favorite Spider-Person? Let's talk about the different Spider-People that we focus on here. I mean, it's a little hard for it to not be Peter B. Parker because you spend so much time with him and you love him so much. It's such an interesting take on that character that we've never really seen in a Mm. movie before. I love bum Spider-Man. Having a kid bring you to a burger place and then eating his burger is is such a funny sad version of spider-man i really do love him and then the thing that really makes it for me it's not just the you know beginning portion or even the mentor portion of peter b parker but the fact that then he and may he and lily tomlin's may get to come together Mm. and she's the one she lost her peter and he lost his may but they get to come together and 
and be in each other's lives again. And I think that's such a beautiful, oh. touching moment that could be explored a little bit more in this movie. But what they do with it, they do really well. Yeah, I really, I really like all the stuff they do with May. Actually, in this, I think she's one of the more like badass. She's got like a personal feud with. Oh, I'm forgetting her first name. They do a whole Liv. bit about it. Liv Octavius. I, oh. I think that's really funny. I think it's interesting that she says her friends call her Liv, and then yeah, May dude. calls her Liv, and also, of course, famously in the comics, Doc Ock marries Aunt May at one point. Oh yeah! Oh my god, I forgot about that. So I think that there's a cu- there, there's some cutesy in jokes there too. But yeah, I mean Lily Tomlin. A national trick. We don't talk about <laughs> Lily Tomlin enough. She's incredible. Oh, man. That whole showdown in, in the living room, too. Everyone kind of comes together in, in such a... Like, we're talking about how like wide and big that last fight was. That fight in the living room, very chaotic, very clustery, claustrophobic. But it's still, again, incredibly done animated action. And then taking that, cutting right to an absolutely emotional gut punch with what they do with... Prowler, Uncle Aaron. It's mm-hmm. it's a this is a roller coaster of a movie. I I never remember how much of whiplash you have from like having the most fun you've ever had in a superhero movie to being actually crushed emotionally by something that's happening. Yeah, it has really good character work. I mean, there's a reason that really obviously we've talked about the action, we've talked about the animation, but most of the time that we've been talking so far on this show has been about character because all of them are engaging and three-dimensional and put together in interesting ways. Yeah, it is It is more of a magnification of what other multiverse concepts sometimes don't grasp enough, is that the differences between the same, you know, the variant people need to be the highlight of everything. And it is funny when there's, like, you know, weird similarities between people like that, but everyone is an individual in this. And again, maybe it helps that there are less Peter Parkers proper which I'm sure we're going to run into a lot more in this in the second one. But together as the collective of these weird, strange folks, it, it hammers home more the theme of, you know, anyone can wear the mask, like I was saying before, and this found family emotional theming that we find in all of these, you know, sad but strong and capable spider people that kind of land in each other's laps. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about the second one coming up and, and yeah. our friends coming back together and, and reconnecting a little bit. I don't know how many of them are going to make a, a real comeback, but I, I can hope. I also think to that point, the, and obviously this was not the intention when it was created, but posthumously, the immediate transition from Peter Parker's funeral to Stan Lee is pretty yeah. powerful. And I'm not even a huge, like, Stan Lee guy. I don't I don't get teary about sure, when sure. Stan Lee's cameos come up posthumously. That- but I do think that that's a very impactful, because that's really the character I think that he's going to be the most remembered for and that he I seemed to have the most connection with on a personal level and oh, so with Spider-Man you mean? Yes. Yeah, definitely. The, historically he's he's been that kind of champion for that character. And I mean very funny. Like they do end it with a, like a great joke, but also mm-hmm. it is it is a very sweet moment in in a sea of other cameos that sometimes don't hit as well. I mean when they work they work really well and I I you know I get a good smile out of it, but this one was was perfect. The idea that he gets to be the one 
wanted to say, you know, you get to, you know, anyone can wear the mask. Like, he yeah. doesn't literally say that, I don't think, but... Doesn't he? Doesn't he say Does that? he? I should... I it's like, he's like, that. anyone can wear the mask, and he smiles, and then it pans over, and it's like the no refunds sign or whatever. He like, says it always fits eventually. There it is. Which is, that is, yeah, that is Which is very, a funnier line, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, with the, yeah, that is great. Yeah, I do love the idea of... There's already Spider-Man merch in this world, so you can just put on your <laughs> Spider-Man costume yeah. when you get Spider-Man powers. I mean, do you not love the Miles Morales spray paint Spider-Man suit? Oh, like, it is so one good. of the coolest suits. With the hoodie, with the sneakers, I think it's iconic. It is so, it is, like, as iconic as the normal Spider-Man suit to me at this point. I think so. I mean, what's up, Danger? Oh, yeah, dude, that is such a hyped part of that movie. I I it gets my blood moving. I think that that is probably the most impactful moment of hero realization of any movie because it's also the great like he was already Spider-Man but this is the moment he becomes Spider-Man and this movie really wants to put it in those exact terms that's mm. what throwing the comic book on top of the other comic books is that's the statement that's making oh man it is it is so good I mean and honestly the have you have you you I'm sure have listened to the whole soundtrack for this as well there, there's the moments yeah. in that sequence where the the score like starts to come in to the to the soundtrack track and like ah it gets me it gets me really excited even just thinking about it this is such a good it's a good it's a great scene i'm somehow like feeling like we're ready to wrap things up it we just spent <laughs> you know half an hour saying all of the really like it feels really surface level even though i feel like we've hit every quadrant of this film just because there is so much detail and so much to talk about and the bagel joke and the whole breaking out of the lab sequence is so much fun and oh, you know my, there's so yeah. many different things we could expand and like, expand upon and expand upon like we spent so much time talking about the animation and we could do a whole episode about that truly the thwips the overlays of spidey senses and what that means in the in the perspective of oh my god just, we really could just the use of kirby dots i think yeah is oh incredible. man ah oh, gosh I, i'm ready to watch this movie again i could watch this movie anytime i think it is it is one of the the perfect films i am really excited for next week i've gotten even more excited for next week seamus which we often end up being after we cover like the first one of whatever the sequel is that we're <laughs> reviewing that, <laughs> that, that is true that is true but especially for this one i think it's we're coming off the heels of greatness and i'm, I'm ready to keep that train chugging along i agree because i i do want uh, the last thing i'll mention is just the power of the get up spider-man moment that they know exactly how far to take that Oh yeah, for uh, so good. And that there's there's that part start of the third act really where they're trying to formulate the plan and they're kind of excluding him and they're trying to get him to get with the program and it is it is perfectly palpable for this coming of Spider-Man character. I loved it. Incredible. But why don't we go ahead and move on over to more Spider-Verse talk in our pop culture reference. Let's do it, Spider-Man. For today's pop culture reference, we're going to be talking about the technological innovations of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The way the 2018 animated film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was created brought new technology and innovation to animated film production. 
While traditional 3D animated films are animated at a full 24 frames per second, much of Spider-Verse was animated using a process called stepped animation, or on twos, where an element is held for two frames, therefore only using 12 images a second. Stepped animation and 24-frame animation are both found in Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, sometimes even in the same shot, as different elements or characters will move at different speeds. This is especially impactful during sequences with lots of fluid motion, such as action sequences. Studio Sony Pictures Imageworks also developed a new technology for integration of 2D effects with 3D animation, stylized rendering, and rigging and facial work to enhance character performances. This hyper-stylization also allowed directors Bob Persichetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman to fulfill their desire of having Spider-Man in poses, frames, and situations more faithful to comic books than what can be usually shown in live-action Spider-Man films. It also meant that the film had an atypical creation process, where creatives from different areas of the production pipeline had to collaborate more frequently and differently than any other previous animated film. The style of Spider-Verse had a massive impact on the Hollywood animation industry. Sony Pictures Imageworks reused the technology they developed for Spider-Verse on their later film, The Mitchells vs. the Machines, and several DreamWorks animated films have clearly been influenced by the animation style as well, such as The Bad Guys and this year's Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. In addition to films with a reminiscent style to Spider-Verse, the film is also credited in opening up the kind of animation audiences will expect from Western 3D animation studios, which for decades have predominantly created films with a clean and relatively uniform Pixar-esque stylization. I mean, it's kind of crazy what a turning point this is in mainstream 3D animation how much more stylized things have gotten in the animation realm since this movie came out. Something we didn't even mention on here is that upcoming Ninja Turtles movie that's got yeah. that like, Spider-Verse-y, almost claymation animation style, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I I, 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 I think I might have touched on this a little bit in the main segment of how absolutely refreshing this kind of animation is and ha and the refreshing nature of how it is really spreading out all over Western animation as it is. The Pixar, Illumination, Clean Bubble People, that has its place, but I was getting real, real tired of it. So, I mean, if anything is going to solidify, like, what really made this so iconic, it's that, you know, ten layers of different kinds of dimensions of animation on top of itself. That's what makes this such a classic, modern classic. But Seamus, what do you say we move on over, and like Spider-Man... Save the rec center. Let's do it. Save the rec center! Now it's time to save the rec center, where we give you our weekly recommendations. Garrett, what do you got for me this week? Well, a film that I have been wanting to watch for a long time now and finally got around to, it's been in a weird rights limbo for decades and still is not out of it, but I finally pulled the trigger and watched a decent transfer of it on Vimeo, which is really the only way to watch it anymore unless you can dig up an old DVD. Elaine May's second directorial effort, The Heartbreak Kid, starring Charles Grodin and... Sybil Shepherd, and it is such a fantastic anti-rom-com. I think that it is definitely worth being in the conversation with Mike Nichols' The Graduate, which is, I think, a pretty interesting thing because Mike Nichols mm. was a longtime 
comedy collaborator with Elaine May before the two of them both turned to doing directing for movies. So I'm really glad that I got in there. I think you know of my affinity for Charles Grodin. Sybil Shepard is often a treat, especially in in that era when she was working with people like Peter Bogdanovich and, of course, Elaine May. Mm. So I was looking for a nice, light 70s comedy, and I got a mean-spirited but still very (laughs) fun, very engaging, well-made 70s comedy. I am a huge fan when things of the 70s and 80s are way meaner than you expect them to be. That's one of my favorite things to discover about older comedies like that, so that sounds like it's right up my alley. Well, I'll shoot you that Vimeo link, Seamus, and I'm sure others around the the internet verse can, can find it on their own, but I'm curious to hear what you've got coming up. I... On a whim. I mean, I guess on recommendation from my older brother, Coleman, he was talking this movie up to me for a while, but I finally pulled the trigger just randomly, came across it on Hulu. David Cronenberg's 2022 Crimes of the Future, and I was delighted and horrified and sick to my stomach as any good Cronenberg movie will make me do. It, Viggo Mortensen, Leah Sadu, Kristen Stewart, it is... One of, I mean, it's, is it redundant to say this Cronenberg movie is incredibly bizarre? But I mean, it really (laughs) is, man. It is, it is in a future where humans have evolved out of having a sense of physical pain. And Viggo Mortensen and Leah Sadu are a art, a performance art duo who do performative surgery on Viggo Mortensen's rapidly growing new human organs. It is... It's really gross, obviously. It's all about surgery and how in this future, surgery is the new sex and like that's how people get intimate with each other. I can hear Kristen Stewart saying that in the trailer. Oh, she is delightfully disgusting in this movie. It's like her weird, meek, quiet, awkward thing that she's famous for, but ramped up into like a surgery pervert. It is it is incredible. I, I loved it to death. It was everything I wanted and nothing that I was expecting. <laughs> uh, that's a Cronenberg. That's a Cronenberg, man. It, somehow, maybe the least grotesque Cronenberg, even though it's about like... Like how doing medical experiments on yourself is like kind of fine now and people watch it for fun. But I, I highly recommend it. It is the second thing I've ever seen Viggo Mortensen in. So it's it's kind of crazy to see it go from Aragorn to a famous performance surgery artist. But it is it is incredible. I'll never forget it. I've wanted to see that since it came out and I have just never been <laughs> in the right headspace for it. It's hard to find a time when you're like, yeah, I'm ready for this Cronenberg. Uh, the, apparently the right headspace is on a whim while you're you you know there's somebody taking a nap on your lap who keeps waking up every 20 minutes and asking what the hell i'm watching it is it is it's it's pretty great well i'll have to check that out eventually i want i really do want to shamus i think i knew more about it because you and i were talking about that movie recently and yeah and it's been on my mind because like we were talking about it my older brother really recommended it along with uh cronenberg jr's new movie or newer movie i I have not oh, seen yeah, yet. I forgot about that one. But uh, I actually mixed up the two concepts of those two movies, so I was <laughs> waiting for like an hour and a half for like a very different plot to kick in. But I, I, mm-hmm. I loved every second of the movie that I got. Well, I'm glad to hear it, Seamus. But that wraps up the show this week. If you want to reach the show on social media, you can hit us up at PCR underscore podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. 
You can reach the show directly at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. If you have any questions, concerns, praise, anything, you can send directly to us there. Like, subscribe, hit the bell icon, hit us up with the downloads on our new episodes. Every Anything you can do to engage with the show definitely helps us out a lot. And we notice it. We notice every little spike in that kind of engagement. And it really, really makes us happy, really helps the show out. Well, next week, I am so excited to dip back into the Spider-Verse with Spider-Man colon across the Spider-Verse when we team back up with Miles and Wanda and Peter B. Parker and, you know, we get Oscar Isaac in the mix. Yeah, we didn't even talk about him. Oh, man, it's gonna be a great one. I'm very excited. I am as well. So, everybody, we will see you next week. Adios, Spider-Man. Does he say that in the movie even, maybe? Does he say adios, Spider-Man? Maybe, who knows? Uh, that literally...